This is a look behind and rewind, and I'm your host, Tom Nielsen. Did you ever stop to wonder how certain cities around the country have come to be associated with different types of animals? Let me give you some examples. Chicago, thanks to its football team, has long had an association with bears. The Chicago Bears, of course. Here's another example. Although many folks think of pink flamingos in connection with Florida, there is a town in Massachusetts that legitimately lays claim to being the birthplace of that colorful bird. You see, my friends, Lemonster, Massachusetts, otherwise known as the plastics capital of the world, actually gave birth to the first plastic lawn sculpture of a pink flamingo. An artist named Don Featherstone was commissioned by a local plastic company to create the very first pink bird in 1957. And the rest is history. Pink flamingos are now sort of like a working class status symbol, a cultural icon known around the world. Another city with an interesting animal story is Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, in fact, has two creatures that have made the area famous, thanks to some smart radio and TV stations that saw a good thing and promoted the heck out of it. How do I know this? Well, I worked at one of those stations back in the 1970s. And the other one, a local progressive rock station, often lent its name to some of the youth-oriented programming that our TV station was running at the time. Well, back around 1974, an odd creature known as the turkey vulture, or buzzard, first made an appearance as a sort of cartoon mascot for radio station WMMS-FM. Artist David Helton, who's working for American Greetings at the time, made a serendipitous connection with the promotion team at WMMS and was then hired to create the new buzzard logo, a symbol that is now recognized by rock and roll fans all around the world. Oddly enough, that's not the end of the story. You see, Cleveland also has another buzzard story to tell. One of the outlying suburbs of Cleveland, Hinkley, Ohio, has actually gained a reputation for being a migration point for buzzards. <laughs> Hinkley is to buzzards what San Juan Capistrano is to swallows. Every March 15th, large flocks of buzzards return to Hinkley to mark the beginning of spring. And the little farming town of Hinkley, ever aware of the unique promotional opportunities this offered, started an annual event called Buzzard Day in 1957. As it turns out, serious students of ornithology, or bird science to you and me, have figured out that the buzzards have been coming to Hinkley since at least 1820, according to historical records. And word has it that the buzzards were originally drawn to Hinkley in order to feast upon a large number of animal carcasses that happened to be thawing out there after the long, cold Ohio winter. But another legend said that the birds came there as some sort of supernatural connection. You see, many years ago, it was rumored that a woman was hanged there in Hinkley for the sin of practicing witchcraft. And the buzzards, for whatever reason, perhaps the result of some curse or magic spell, just happened to show up every year since then to mark the occasion and remind us all of the deep, dark mysteries of nature. Well, nowadays, Hinkley takes a more lighthearted approach to the buzzards' annual return, offering a traditional sausage and pancake breakfast at Hinkley Elementary School for the hundreds of two-legged, 
human visitors. There's also live music, trail hikes, bus tours, and vendors selling buzzard hats, shirts, and other items. Over the years, the event has brought in hundreds of thousands of people to the small town of Hinkley. And now we turn from buzzards to bears. Woolly bears, that is. What are woolly bears, you may ask? Well, if you lived in the Cleveland area in the 1970s and 80s, chances are you got your weather from a friendly, smiling TV personality by the name of Dick Goddard, who was the chief meteorologist at Channel 8 for years and years. And to help his viewers understand the science of weather, Dick published a small paperback book that explained the ins and outs of weather patterns, climate, and things like old wives' tales and legends relating to weather including, of course, the woolly bear caterpillar. Dick made such a big deal about the woolly bear, both in his book as well as on the air during his weather forecasts, that he single-handedly became known as the woolly bear man. What's all the fuss about this fuzzy caterpillar, you may wonder? Well, apparently, the size of the orange stripe on the caterpillar was usually thought to be an indicator of how severe a winter we'd see in northeastern Ohio. If there was a really big stripe, that meant a mild winter. If it was a small stripe, then get out the snow shovels, you're in for a real arctic blast. Well, Dick Goddard didn't stop there. He was also the founder of the annual Woolly Bear Festival, which became Ohio's largest one-day festival. It was started in the tiny town of Birmingham, Ohio in 1973 and soon outgrew the town's ability to support it. Basically, the highways were closed off and the whole town shut down for the Woolly Bear Parade, costume contest, caterpillar races, and food vendors. In addition to the presence of Dick Goddard as founder and parade marshal, there were usually other Channel 8 celebrities in attendance as well, like Big Chuck and Little John, news reporter Neil Zerker, morning show host Jan Jones, and others. I was lucky enough to be there in the late 1970s to witness this for myself. And believe me, friends, you haven't lived until you've seen all the cute kids in woolly bear costumes competing for the big prize. The caterpillar races were a real hoot as well. They'd put all these woolly bears on a big wooden board, you see, that was tilted at a scientifically predetermined angle. This was, of course, designed to give the fuzzy critters a little bit of extra help, thanks to the force of gravity. They also had a half dozen lanes marked off on the board in chalk, so the caterpillars would stay in their own lanes. <laughs> a starter pistol was fired, and the race was on! And it's Wilbur Woolybear in the lead, followed in second place by Fuzzy Fred. Coming up fast from behind is Bear Necessity. And oh my gosh, here's a surprise contender, Winter Woolies, making his debut on the track today. Wilbur is still holding the lead, but Fuzzy Fred is inching closer. Oh, it's going to be a close one, folks. The fur is flying as these tiny critters pull out all the stops in this race to the finish. And the crowd is going wild. Whoops, one caterpillar just flew off the board, hurtling to the ground below. Hope he's all right. Well, I think you get the picture. It was quite an event, my friends, and it grew to be so big that little Birmingham could no longer handle all the crowds. 
So they moved it up north to the bigger town of Vermilion, Ohio on Lake Erie, where it continues to this very day, even years after Dick Goddard himself passed from the scene. So what's the moral of the story? I guess if you want to be famous, just find a cute little critter and promote it like it's the second coming. You know, that's how Walt Disney started. Without Mickey Mouse, poor old Walt would still be a nobody today. What kind of critter would be suitable for the job, you ask? Any critter, basically. You name it. Pill bugs, raccoons, lightning bugs, naked mole rats. What? There's a whole zoo full of possibilities. And oh, by the way, speaking of zoos, if you're ever in Cleveland, be sure to stop in at the Metro Park Zoo. That's a whole adventure in itself. You've been listening to A Look Behind and Rewind. I'm Tom Nielsen. See you next time. Hi, this is Tom Nielsen. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're invited to hear more of our episodes at A Look Behind and Rewind. And feel free to share our link with friends, family, and others, as well as following us on buzzsprout.com, Apple, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts.